Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Pastor Kevin mentioned the our sister church in Post Falls, Idaho, and I encourage you to be praying for that ministry this week. Uh, we also have other partner churches here in the region and around the world, and I want to let you know also of another thing I just found out about this morning. So the last missions conference we had, or two missions conferences ago actually, we had Jerry and Sandy Bomers here, and they are missionaries in Paraguay, and I just saw this morning that they are having their first service in their in their new building this evening at, uh, at like three o'clock our time. And so I encourage you to be praying for, for that work as well. It's exciting. They are, are looking forward to who the Lord might be bringing in their doors. And so, yeah, just encourage you to be, to be praying for them. Uh, I want to encourage you to open your Bibles as well to Colossians chapter 4. We are wrapping up our series that we began in January on the book of Colossians. And so... We're going to finish up with the last few verses here of this letter and, and talk about this theme. And tonight, uh, if, so tonight, for those of you that are planning to come to the evening service, we're going to do things a little bit differently than we normally do because so many people are gone on the Israel trip. We're just going to meet in the upper lounge and we're going to spend some time going through the book of Colossians as a whole. So we've been breaking it down into small chunks, but this isn't the way that Paul intended Colossians to be read, that you know you do like three verses a week. He wrote a letter to these people, and, uh, and they sat down and they read it, and they discussed it as a whole together. And so we've been working through it in chunks, and tonight what we're going to do in the upper lounge, we're just going to read the whole letter in one sitting together. And then we're going to take a, you know, those of you that have been with us for the last few months have been hearing these bits and pieces, and we're going to see, okay, how does this all fit back again together as a whole? So if you uh, are so inclined, we'd love to have you here at 6 o'clock tonight for, for that. Okay, so we have been talking through Colossians, and we have been looking through um, our theme of Colossians, and I'm going to turn this on. There we go. Okay, so we have our, our big themes of Colossians that Paul says in Colossians chapter 2. This is the reason that I'm writing to you, that you be encouraged in heart, united in love, and that you know Christ. So as we wrap up today in Colossians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, we're going to make sure that we uh, hit on these themes and see how these themes play out, even in these last few verses. So let's go to the Lord in prayer before we, before we read together. God, as we gather here this morning and open your word together, we just pray that we may be hearing your words to us, that we may, our hearts may be open to the things that you have to say to us, and that uh, as, we, as we listen, may we respond to your gospel and carry these words with us as we move out from here. pray this in your name. Amen. Okay, so our last few verses here, starting in verse 16. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. 
Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Now, if you're reading this verse and you think, all right, who's the guy who assigned these three verses to me uh, to preach on? He's probably like on the other side of the world at this point, right? Uh, these are verses that you, uh, as even as we looked last week, these are some verses that when you come to this, maybe if you're reading through Colossians, you get to these last few verses and you think, okay, well, these are just, you know, Paul's saying goodbye, you know, how you end the letter, and he's, you know, saying goodbye to these people, and and that's it. But uh, as as we look at this, and we've talked about our themes, and this has been things that have been coming up over and over again, that you be encouraged in heart, united in love, knowing Christ, I want to contend to you that even here in these last three verses, these themes are coming forth in what Paul is saying to the Colossians. And as just as he's saying goodbye to them and wrapping up his letter, these ideas of you Colossians be encouraged in heart, you Colossians be united in love, you Colossians may you know Christ better, this is showing up again even in these closing three verses. And so let's just talk about this. Uh, together. So first of all, encouraged in heart. We talked about this idea that that really when when Paul is saying encouragement and, he, and he's talking about them being encouraged in heart, he's not just talking about, hey, I just hope that you, you know, feel a little bit better. But the idea of encouragement for Paul and the idea for encouragement within Scripture is is this motivating force towards action. So that your heart may be strengthened. That you may be moved towards action. And so we have uh, our friend here, Archippus, or Archippus, or however you want to pronounce it. I'm sure no one's going to disagree with you. So Archippus here is, is being written to. And, and can you just imagine for a second what it would be like to be, I don't know how big the Colossian church was, but here you have this this group of people sitting around reading this letter. And imagine if you were Archippus here. And all of a sudden, you are the one who's getting called out at the end of the letter that he says, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. And we don't really know what that ministry is, but you just imagine that you are the guy sitting there and everyone kind of like, you're getting to the end of the letter and everybody looks at you like, right? What's, what's that ministry? Maybe we don't really know what that is. But here's, here's a little bit of what we know about Archippus. We find out in Philemon, which is a letter that was written at the same time probably as, as this Colossian letter. And he's mentioned there too. And we're told that he, Paul refers to him as our fellow soldier. Again, we don't really know what that means. Maybe he was an actual soldier. Maybe Paul is speaking metaphorically. But here's somebody who, who has been given some kind of partnership in the ministry with Paul. And Paul says to him, See to it that you complete the ministry that you have received in the Lord. And we don't know, again, we don't know what that ministry is. And, and so uh, I'll just give you a little look into how I would... I, work on a sermon. I come across a passage like this and I say, okay, what is he talking about? What is, what is ministry? Maybe we could get some clues here if we go and we look at the word ministry and see how Paul uses that word ministry in other places. And maybe that gives us a specific context of what Paul is talking about. Maybe 
when Paul talks about ministry, he's talking about specifically preaching, or maybe he's talking specifically about evangelism or some kind of work. And so, uh, so you, we go and we look at the word ministry, and it's the word diakonos, which is where we get the word deacon in, in our church language. But it really just means servant or service. And so what Paul is saying is, Complete the service that you have received and learned. So, okay, what is that? How does Paul use that word? And then you come, so, so I do some studying and I look around the scripture. How is Paul using this word? Maybe he's going to give us a clue. And I invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we'll see just one example of how Paul uses this word. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Starting in verse 4. Paul says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, there's our word diakonos, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines." And so here Paul is saying to each person, the Spirit gives a different kind of service, which is not really helpful for us to understand what is Paul talking about to Archippus here. What we find is that it could be any number of things that Archippus is being told complete the ministry. And we're specifically told here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that each person is given a different kind of of ministry based on the way that the Spirit is working in them. And so our answer is, what is the ministry that Archippus is being told to complete? We don't know. Uh, But what we do know is that he is specifically being told, hey, this work that God has given you, carry it out. And what we see here in this 1 Corinthians passage is that for those of us who are in Christ, we each can read these words to Archippus and say, what is the ministry that the Spirit has called me to? What are the gifts that I have been given? And how do I hear these words to Archippus and say, what does it look like to complete this work? How are we being spurred on towards the action that Archippus is receiving as well? What is it that the Lord has called you to? What is it that the Lord has placed in front of you today? Maybe maybe it's a conversation with a coworker. Maybe it's the way in which you respond to a difficult uh, friend or family member. Maybe it's the the way that you reach out in care towards someone this week who who could use a phone call or a card. Maybe it's... uh, working on forgiveness with your spouse or a coworker or a neighbor. 
whatever it is that the Lord is calling you to this week. We hear these words and this encouraged in heart message that, again, not just that you feel a little bit better, but that you get spurred on towards the action that the Lord has given you. And you carry it out and you live it out this week. And you follow through with it. This idea of complete it. Don't sit back. And here you have Archippus sitting there. And we assume, based on the letter, that at least Archippus knows what it is that's going on here. Paul tells him again in in the other letter in Philemon that he's a fellow soldier. So there's this relationship that they have. Archippus knows. And whatever it is that the Lord is placing in front of you this week... May you be encouraged, may you be challenged, may you be spurred on towards the action to carry it out and to live out that ministry with those around you. And your ministry is not going to look like my ministry, and my ministry is not going to look like your ministry, but each of us as a body, and as people who have been called by the Lord, have responsibilities and have an invitation to serve Him this week. And so whatever it is we're, we're seeing here, carry it out, complete it, follow through. Okay, then next, united in love. And this is what we see in verse 16. It says, After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Okay, so the Laodicea, this church of Laodicea, um, I'll show you on a map here. This is, so you can kind of see here's, uh, oh, go back second i have a laser there we go so here's italy here's greece here's macedonia where josh is going in a few weeks right is that right josh okay uh my geography and then turkey so this little red dot here you can't really tell that it's red but this little red dot here that is where the the colossian church is it's a very small it's not a major city like some of the other churches that paul went to like corinth here in ephesus but it's right here in in what's present-day turkey would have been asia minor um, you have Jerusalem over here where our friends are. And so zoom in a little bit. And here you have Colossae, which is where the Colossian letter was written to, and then Laodicea right here next to it. So they're right, they're, they're these neighboring towns, these neighboring cities in this, in this valley here. And all that to say is that, that there are two churches, two, two cities that are nearby each other. And Paul apparently has written a letter to each of them. Has written one to the Colossian church, one to the Laodicean church. We don't have the, church, the letter from the Laodicean church. Uh, but it, apparently it existed. And Paul is telling them, uh, you share this letter that I'm writing to you with this church, and you make sure that you read the one that I'm writing to them. And there's information that is going to be passed around. And a couple of things that I just want to pause on here as we talk about this, this church. And, and a reminder that when we, when we come across the word church in scripture, oftentimes what we think of when we hear the word church today is a place like this. It's a building that people would gather and it was a dedicated space for, uh, for the church to be. And, but, but it's important to remember and be reminded and we'll talk, we'll talk, talk about this over and over and over again but uh, our our brains in the 21st century are wired to think of church as as a place like this and so just to re- as, as a reminder or perhaps new information for some of you this word church is this word ecclesia what does the word ecclesia mean i hear mumbles 
assembly, what called out, yeah. So uh, it, uh, kaleo is the Greek word call, uh, call, and ek is out. So a group of people who are called out. And most often, this word gets translated in Greek literature uh, as assembly or a group of people. And so again. Most of the time where we come across it in Scripture, in our English translations of the New Testament, it gets translated as church. But the word actually just means assembly, a group of people who have been called out for a specific purpose. And so in Acts chapter 19, you come across this mob in Ephesus that is rioting, and we're told that this is the ecclesia that was gathered in, in this riot. And obviously this isn't a church this is, this is a rioting mob. And so this word, it's important for us to just every, every, occasionally pause when we come across this word and be reminded that when Paul is telling them to write to and share this letter with the ecclesia of Laodicea, which I just like to say that, um, the ecclesia of Laodicea, I feel like I could just say that all, all day long. Uh, when Paul is saying, he's saying, not, hey, share this with, with this building, uh, not share this with some of the people who are part of that church, but but that the assembly, the people gathered, that here is a letter that I have written to you, the people gathered in Colossae, the people gathered specifically around these ideas of of the work of Jesus Christ and committing your lives to this way of life. You, this body of people, I have written you a letter. And I've also written a letter to this body of people in the neighboring city. And you bodies of people share the things that you are learning together and be united. We have done this already this morning, right? When we have shared about our brothers and sisters over in Post Falls, Idaho. And our brothers and sisters down in Paraguay. And here we recognize that what is going on is not just a place in Idaho, but a people in Idaho and pastors that we, that we know. Casey Duke grew up in our church. And, and uh, the Bomers were in our church just a couple years ago. And so the, it's not just a place that we think about, but it's a people that we think about. And Paul is telling them, he's pointing them towards this fellowship that they have with this assembly of people. And this fellowship that they have as an assembly of people Together, And he says, read these letters. And, and the reason he's saying read these letters is because he's within these letters. And we've been studying this letter to the Colossians for, for months now. And within these letters are instructions and a message for what does it look like to be, uh, to be this community that's captured by a message of grace and reconciliation. And Paul has been talking about this from chapter 1 of what is the work that Christ has done in you and is doing in the world. And we've been looking at this over and over again. What does it mean to, to be a people who have been transformed by this message? And not just a message, but, but an action of the cross. And here you have Christ has come and he's given his life on the cross. And through that, this church, this ecclesia, is being changed within their community. And so you have a people who have lived in Colossae for 
possibly their whole lives. They've traveled around, but they've been living in this city. And now there is a group of people who have been called out of Colossae. And they're not just Colossians anymore, but they're the, the assembly of the Colossians. They're the people who have been called out for a specific purpose around the transformative power of the cross in their lives. And they're gathering probably at least on a weekly basis, if not more. And, and they're, they're coming together and they're, and they're having these conversations together about what does this mean for us? That this is true, that we, that we believe this about what God has done. And Paul is writing to them and he's saying, here is some of what this means. Let me lay out some of the implications for how you ought to live and, and how you ought to respond to this. And so he's, we've, we've, again, we've looked at this message of this idea of what are we supposed to put to death and put off from our old self? And what do we put on? What is the way in which we clothe ourselves with compassion and kindness and humility? And how does that, how does that even work in this community? And how do we figure that out and, and, and wrestle through these things with, with people who maybe we don't like very much? Or people who are very different on a social standing than, than we are. And here we have a group of people who maybe are wealthy landowners and slaves. And they're showing up as equals. And Paul says, hey, in Christ there's no slave or free anymore. And they're figuring all of this out and working together and trying to figure out what does it mean that I show compassion to my slave? Or what does it mean that I show kindness to this person who has cheated me in the past? And how, how do we figure out all of this life together in love for one another? And this is sometimes where the tension is because here are these people who have volunteered for this, for this way of life. Right? Paul, or somebody has come through and proclaimed this message of Christ and the people have said, yes, this sounds true to me. And I'm going to put my trust in Jesus. And so they signed up for it willingly. And they said, this is how I want to now orient my life. But what they didn't get to choose is who else also signed up. And there may be other people in that community that maybe they're less excited about the fact that they're also there. And yet Paul is saying, hey, you community, read this letter together. Read this other letter together. And work this out. Figure this out. And he's written to them this letter so that they, as a community, can work these things out together. And so what we see here in this, in this short little, hey, read these letters, is this, this tension that, hey, we're here. We're part of this thing. But this also then gives us a responsibility towards others. And again, you go back to Archippus, our, our friend Archippus here, who uh, gets called out specifically. And whatever his ministry is, the whole community now is aware that Paul has said, hey, make sure you complete your ministry. And now there's an accountability that he has to the community. And really an accountability that the community has to Archippus because, because they're all in this together and they're all figuring this out as a body. And again, going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you, he's talking about this idea that you are a body and you're in this together, you're working this out 
in love for one another. And then finally, knowing Christ. Verse 18. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Most likely the rest of the letter Paul was dictating to somebody, but a lot of his letters he likes to close with his own handwriting. He says, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. And first of all, just pause on that last line, grace be with you. This is kind of a typical uh, closing line for Paul. Grace be with you. Grace be with you all. He says this quite a bit. And and again, it's the sort of thing that we can very easily just say, hey, he's saying, you know, it's, it's Paul's way of saying goodbye. But but this word grace for Paul is is a powerful word that doesn't just speak to... Uh, a greeting, which is oftentimes what in the Greek world you would you would use this word charis as just a greeting, a, a kind of a, an informal blessing in, within a letter. But here for Paul, as we as we look through all of his writings, the word grace carries with it more than just uh, grace to you, but but the idea of the grace of God, the grace that has been worked out through the reconciliation. Work, the reconciling work of Jesus Christ on the cross. All of that is combined in this one word, grace, for Paul. That on the cross, Christ brought about salvation for us apart from anything that we can say or do. That no longer do we have to, to do anything in order to earn favor with God, but what grace says to us is that we have that favor with God through our faith and nothing else. He says in Ephesians, which probably was written at a similar time to this Colossian letter, he says, for it is by grace you are saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And that this, for Paul, is what grace is. And so he wraps up with this phrase, grace be with you. But what he's saying is, may you carry this message of grace. May you... Hold on to this message of grace within your own life. May you know the grace of God deeply. But may it go with you. May you carry it with you to those around you. And so in just this short little phrase, Paul is saying all of that. Grace, may God's grace go with you. And then he says, remember my chains. And for Paul... Uh, remember my chains could mean a number of things. We saw just a few weeks ago that Paul says specifically in earlier in chapter 4, he says, devote yourselves to prayer. This is in verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. And so part of what Paul is saying here when he says, remember my chains, is just, hey, don't forget, I'm in prison here. And, and don't forget about me in prison. But it's not just, hey, be thinking of me and be praying for me, but remember why I am in prison. Remember that the reason I am in prison is because of my work to proclaim this message. And that for Paul, it's not just like, hey, yeah, I, I got captured but that the reason this is happening to me is because of my dedication and my service to the gospel. And within that, then, is a recognition that uh, within this world, if you know somebody, even, I mean, even today, 
if you know someone who is in prison, if you just had a friend who's in prison, you say, well, they must have done something wrong, right? That's how generally what happens. But here you have Paul who's in prison specifically for this work of the gospel. And in a, in a, in a place that would normally be shameful, like you're in prison, uh, Paul actually is saying, no, here is what God is doing in me, and, and don't discount my work, but actually uh, celebrate and remember the work that God is doing in me here in prison. And, and the reason Paul can say this, the reason Paul can honor his chains and, and ask them to remember them instead of say, hey, just kind of maybe forget about the whole prison part, is because of the example of Christ. Look at what Paul says in Colossians chapter 1. This is going all the way back to like January or February, so I'm not going to expect you to remember all of this, but look at, look at what Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. He says, Now, I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant. There's our word diakonos again. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. And Paul associates his own suffering and his place in prison and what's going on in his life with the work that Christ has done in Christ's own suffering. And this idea then when Paul says, make sure that you remember my chains, the way this is connected to our bigger theme of knowing Christ is that Paul's chains point towards the suffering of Jesus Christ. And that there's this relationship that just as Christ suffered in his ministry, so Paul is suffering in his ministry. And the connection then and we talked about this a little bit, that, that what Paul says in, in later on in Colossians chapter 2 about the way in which we know Christ is that part of what we need to know about Christ is that part of, part of our relationship with him and our, and our choice to join up with Christ means that we too will probably experience suffering. That there's going to be a cost to it. It's not going to be easy. And so Paul says, hey, remember my chains as suffering comes your way as well, as hardship comes your way as well, because my chains point to the suffering of Christ, and your suffering will also point to the suffering of Christ. And be a reminder that, that to be faithful to God, and to know a God who is faithful to us, doesn't mean that everything is all of a sudden going to go smoothly doesn't mean that all of a sudden everything is going to be uh, smooth sailing and perfect in our lives. That, well, we have a faithful God, and so now he's just going to work everything in a way that seems what we want. But that there will actually be a cost. And here you have Paul that is thrown into prison. And that Christ 
in his faithfulness to God was led to the cross. And that for us to follow after a Messiah who was crucified means that we too need to carry our cross. And that part of the working out of the ministry that each of us has been given, the service that, that God has given to us, and we're being said, told to complete, means that it may cost us something. And it may be hard, and it may require sacrifice. And perhaps, maybe even cost our lives someday. And Paul is saying to Archippus here, hey, complete the work. Do the work that God has called you to. And you and me, complete the work that God has called us to, even if it costs you something. Do the work of the ministry. Carry out the service of the ministry. Uh, Complete that work, even if it costs, because it, it may cost. Remember Paul's chains as you experience your own suffering, as you experience your own hardship. And then he says again, in all of this, may you carry the grace of God with you. May grace be with you. So here we have the end of our letter. And Paul has told us again and again and again in in all kinds of different ways, be encouraged in heart, spurred on towards action. But you're not doing this alone. You're not, it's not each of us as individuals carrying out whatever it is that God has placed in front of us. But you as a body are working together in love for one another, supporting, forgiving, showing compassion for one another, carrying this message to the world because of who Christ is and what Christ has done for us. And so as we reflect on this letter, and I encourage you, even if you're not able to make it out tonight, I encourage you to take time sometime this week. It'll probably take you 20 minutes or so to sit down and read through all of Colossians. And I encourage you to reflect on these themes again and, and reflect on what does it look like for us as a body, for you as an individual to carry out the ministry, but to do that in the context of this assembly of Berean Bible Church. And this gathered group of people that comes together, what does it look like for you to respond to these things in your knowledge of Christ? How can you know Christ and know his sufferings and know the work that he's done more fully and then respond accordingly in love with one another, with, with courage and strength. Let's pray. God, we thank you for, uh, we thank you for this, this small letter that, that you have preserved for us and that you were writing and speaking through Paul to, to speak to us today. And we just ask as we come to a close of this study and and we're reflecting on all of the truths that we have explored over the last months. God, bring them them to our minds and, and to our hearts in new ways, in fresh ways. May we continue to be challenged and oriented around this way of life that you have called us to. Remind us of our responsibility to one another. Grow us in our unity as a, as a body, as a church. Give us the strength to live out 
this message into our world. May we carry this message of grace to those around us. May we proclaim your son, Jesus Christ, and may we know him more fully. pray this in your name. Amen. Please stand with us once more as we sing ancient words. Sometimes it's uh, just crazy to think about that here's this group of people almost 2,000 years ago that were gathered together reading this letter that has been passed down for centuries, uh, translated into our language, and here we are, another group of people gathered reading this letter and talking about it. And I mean, the song, the song we just sang, a reminder of these are words that the Lord has given us uh, to challenge, to spur us on, to help us understand what it means to orient ourselves around the truth of the cross and the truth of the gospel. And so uh, as, we, as we go out from here, my prayer for, for us, for, for myself, is that we continue to know Christ, that we continue to be united in our love for one another and for our world, and that we be encouraged in heart. We spurred on in our hearts and in our actions to serve the Lord this week. Grace be with you.